0: Well, thank you guys for joining us here at uh, Trinity. Uh, thank you, everyone who uh, came out uh, yesterday to Walmart and uh, braved the little bit of cold. I wouldn't say it, was, it, was, it wasn't that cold, was it? No. And uh, did did you guys get enough donuts? Yeah. It, no. <laughs> uh, Wait, no I, one. I, I I think you got enough. I, I, I think. All uh, well, right. <laughs> Definitely the donuts were a hit, if not with everyone who was passing by Walmart, at least with us as the church. So uh, we'll do that again next month, might even be a tad colder, and probably a few more people for uh, Christmas shopping. But uh, right now we're working our way through the book of uh, Colossians, epistle from the apostle Paul uh, to the church, the believers at Colossae. And uh, we've been going through paragraph by paragraph, section by section. And, and we do this not because we're not creative enough to just come up with this elaborate string of passages together and um, leave you saying, wow, that was a really cool discovery. But we, we do this because we want to uh, train ourselves as a church how to study. The Bible, that it's not just for a couple of us who stand up here and preach on a a Sunday morning and have had the time to, you know, hours to study. God's word is for all of us. It's for you at home um, tonight, it's for you and your uh, spouse, it's for um, us as community groups and with friends, and we want to model how to study. Uh, God's Word. So today, believe it or not, we come to the body of the book of uh, Colossians. You might think, what? We've been saying for a couple months that we're just to the body of the book? Well, you know, Paul can go on for a while. So, you know, this could be kind of short for him. So he can keep going for a while, but today we officially come to the body of uh, this epistle and um, though, though it properly belongs to the, the body, it, it in one sense functions as a hinge, as it reminds us of uh, truths, as it brings up uh, Jesus' lordship in this passage. It, it reminds us back to what we've already seen uh, in the past few weeks in the introduction to this book. It reminds us of the one who fulfills the mystery, the subject of the hymn uh, who is supreme over all creation and over the church. It reminds us of the image of God, the wisdom of God, and that is Jesus. And in this uh, two verses also uh, sets the theme for the rest of the book, for the rest of the body of this letter, and that is you know, loyalty to Jesus, remaining centered on Jesus even in the midst of and while bombarded by uh, this false teaching that was uh, creeping into the church. So if you haven't got, received one, we do have a listening guides in the back. If you'd like to uh, raise your hand, someone in the back will get you a listening guide. If you raise two hands, someone might get you a donut. If you're a child, no, you're getting more donuts. Sorry. Um, Colossians chapter 2. Let's, let's read uh, verses uh, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Pray with me. Father God, what we need to hear from you as as you speak to us uh, through your word, uh, I pray against the work of the devil who would want to keep us from hearing from you, from seeing the glorious truths that are in uh, your word for us today. I pray that your spirit would be working in our hearts, showing us Christ that we would leave with a better picture of the Jesus we worship and that we would leave change to, to live differently in light of what we have seen in your word today. We pray this for Christ's glory. Amen. So, people long ago have realized in technology the importance of connecting things together. So, like, I work at a hotel. It's important that our system that's selling rooms is connected to the system that actually knows how many rooms we have. Otherwise, I get yelled at a lot. If you um, if you order something off Amazon, it's important that the website you know that you're buying it from is connected to um, warehouse stock, so that the item you ordered for Christmas uh, isn't delayed until you know December twenty seventh or something of that nature you know is it map apps on, on phone are great, and it 's even better if they 're connected to real time traffic so you can decide whether you want to sit in the you know parking lot that is seventy one or if you want to go to the parking lot that is uh, twenty two at the time and I, I did a little uh, homework for you guys maybe well, let 's call it a little uh We'll research for early uh, Christmas shopping of uh, some new products out there that are trying to um, add to the connection here. So, what one will we pull up? Uh, the first one here. This is a smart toaster. Just in case you needed a countdown for when your toast would be ready. <laughs> And like that three minutes, it just kind of, you kind of forget about it, you know, and you want to invest your time in loading the app and watching as your toast uh, gives itself a, it's a little countdown. i pull up the next one. I, I, this, this might be a big uh, seller this uh, Christmas season. It's called the Happy Fork, and um, it uh, tells you if you're eating too fast or not. You know, I'm not sure if I would invest, you know, three or four steaks at Outback to buy a, um, a colored fork that'll tell me if I'm eating the steak too fast or not, but, you know, it's out there for somebody. Uh, look at this uh, trash can. It might be a little hard to see there. Uh, this trash can is, you know, maybe you're tired of the old trash cans that are connected to nothing. <laughs> this one has its own app and can even tell you to take your trash out. So if, you know, when you lifted the and put your trash in and you couldn't stuff it, you know, at least your phone is going to send you a message saying you probably should take the trash out. Um, this this one is just funny here for its name. It's called the Quirky Egg Minder. This is an a tray that uh, monitors your eggs and will tell you which egg, not a is close to expiration so you can use your eggs in the correct order if that's helpful to you and you wouldn't want to waste one of the eggs that you bought for a dozen and 48 cents at Aldi. Um, this is a, another one, and now I, I'm not into hairbrushes as you probably can tell, uh, but uh, you know I have girls and you know they're into hairbrushes. This is a smart hairbrush that um, tells you how well your brushing technique is. So you can have an even greater relationship with your hairbrush than uh, Larry the Cucumber uh, had with his. And uh, one more here. Um, the This is a smart umbrella. And, and, you know, I saw that, I thought, hmm... Th- how many times have I forgot to bring an umbrella? But it just seemed kind of creepy that your umbrella sends you a little message that says, don't, le- don't leave me now. That sounds like a pretty clingy girlfriend or something of that nature. <laughs> and I have one more for you guys. I know you're taking notes, so furiously. Look at this one. This one connects you with your cat. You know, if apps aren't your thing and you really want to be able to communicate for your, for your cat, it tells you what your cat is thinking. It, it, maybe at the end of this, you're like, I, you know, maybe I don't need everything in my life connected, you know. I'm, I'm, I don't think my dad needs a cat collar that tells them. I think it's pretty obvious what cats are thinking. Um, And some things just aren't really all that vital to be connected to. I I think a traditional trash can, in my opinion, maybe you're you're ordering it on Amazon right now, but in my opinion, I'm fine with my uh, old school uh, trash can be just fine uh, without it being connected. But in this passage, we're going to see The importance of connecting doctrine and practice for Paul, those two cannot be separated. That this is not optional. Orthodoxy, right belief about God, must go with orthopraxy, right practice. It must always go hand in hand, they are inseparable. What you believe and how you live for Paul, and must be for us, is inseparable. And Paul's call to the church at Colossae today is to continue walking in Jesus. So let's work our way through this passage. Starting with verse six here, we see the, when uh, we read the verse once more for us, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk. In him. So you got the first word there, therefore, marks the transition to the body of the letter and is uh, rightfully pointing us back to both all the truths in the introduction, but more specifically uh, to verse 5 and Paul's confidence in the firmness of the faith of the believers at Colossae. Now the Command the imperative in these two verses is the word walk, so walk in Him. The rest of this uh, passage supports, modifies, builds off of this command, and, and this command is, um, in the present tense, it's active, and it, which doesn't, uh, there's many different uses for that in Greek, uh, but. Uh, Given the context here, and uh, specifically verse 5, it seems to indicate a continuing action. Look look at what Paul says again in verse 5, that rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Paul isn't calling them to start walking in Christ. He's calling them to continue walking in Christ. Christ. He believes this is already going and he wants to see it continue and grow. The word walk here, it's fairly obvious, even in our 21st century vocab, that this isn't meant literally, that this is a common ethical metaphor for how I live. And it's a vivid picture of life and particularly the the Christian uh, journey. But what does it mean? It says, so walk in Him. It's not just walking in a set of beliefs, but it's walking in a person Jesus. That living out this uh, gospel message is organically connected to Jesus. We're saved by Jesus, we're indwelt by Jesus' spirit to live like Jesus for Jesus's glory. And ultimately we will see Jesus and live forever with him. This uh, almost sends Paul into double figures uh, in the in him uh, repetition of this uh, short epistle to this uh, point. He's driving the point home that we are incorporated into Jesus' life. His life becomes our life. His life defines who we are. And look back at verse uh, chapter 1, verse 10, that this is something Paul already prayed for the believers at Colossae. He already prayed that this would be happening in them. It says, let me start at verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. His prayer doesn't make it unnecessary for him to command to exhort uh, the believers to walk in Christ. It's actually that this command, this exhortation, is the means by which Paul believes his prayer in uh, chapter 1 will be answered by the believers hearing and taking to heart this command to continue walking in Christ Jesus. His prayer will be answered. So we're going to look at uh, three exhortations based on this overarching command of walk in Christ. We're going to look at three exhortations um, that will help explain what does it mean to walk in Christ. So the first one here, continue walking under the Lordship of Jesus. Verse 6 again. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So you have the word as, the comparison between the act of receiving and the continuing to walk in the second part of the verse. The, the nature and content of faith, both at a time of a reception and uh, continuing for the rest of the life are connected and that that nature should guide through the rest of one's life. Then we have, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. So the idea of received, what's your first thought when you think, as you received? Well, what does that, what image does that bring to your mind? If you're anything like me, it always says I've read this passage for Many many years, uh, my, my first thought was is some sort of you know invitation to accept Christ. You know whether you whether you think of maybe at a camp and you know a preacher every eye closed, every head bowed, and you know people walking to the back or people walking to the front. Maybe even you just think you're not so much in a church or camp setting, but of um, you know, reading a gospel track, a gospel message, and uh, this idea of uh, a su- you know subjective emotional experience where uh, you became a Christian, and and, and that's close. But uh, let's let's dig in a little bit to what these uh, words mean, and I believe it'll add some depth to what the, the Apostle Paul is meaning. But what he's saying here, that the word received here um, actually is a semi-technical term for accepting a tradition, and particularly in ancient culture that's an oral tradition. Now, now when I say the word tradition, uh, some people start to hesitate a little bit. It kind of gets a mixed wrap in our culture. It's for most people, the, putting the adjective "traditional" in front of beliefs, in front of marriage, in, in our culture, like uh, that's not considered a compliment to say to add "traditional" in front of it. A- at the same time, with uh, our culture's you know fascination with newness and evidently some pretty uh, crazy technology and connecting everything. Um, that there still is this uh, attraction to the old, to tradition, to uh, tradition for its rootedness. You think even uh, the resurgence of vinyl, uh, the you know Nintendo sixty-four. Think even building-wise, um, how. Many developers are looking to, uh, you know, refurbish old buildings, not just always tearing down uh, buildings and putting up shiny new, you know, steel buildings, but to, you know, build off of those, you know, centuries of, you know, building and use that as part of their um, architecture. And in the gospel message, you know, we proclaim. We didn't invent this. We we didn't come up with this. When we wrote our statement of faith, that wasn't DJ Tom and I figuring it out and just using books you know by popular authors today. This is something we've received. We read from the same word, yes, copied and translated, but we read from the same word as the early church. We recite the Apostles' Creed together. We believe the same thing as the church has always believed. Some of our songs we sing go back decades, even centuries, and all of our songs are based on truth that um, is based on God's word and goes all the way back to the early church. And by using the word received here, Paul is painting a picture of the reception of the apostolic, the gospel tradition concerning Jesus versus, as we'll see in uh, coming weeks, the human tradition. And I, I can't go any farther without t- you talking about the object. So, what have what tradition have they received? Have we received? It says here in my Bible, Christ Jesus the Lord. So, grammatically, uh, I ask myself, well, how does Christ Jesus the Lord, how does that function? So, you, you have two options here, two main options. Uh, Christ Jesus could be your direct object. You're receiving Christ Jesus, and then the, the Lord is in apposition to that. That, that. That's possible, um, and, and some other passages function in that way. I, I think the better option for reading this text, though, is uh, that receive takes a double accusative, just based on the nature of the words and uh, the connection of Christ Jesus and the Lord, that Christ Jesus is uh, the object, or direct object, and Lord uh, complements Christ Jesus. You could read it like this as you receive the tradition of Christ Jesus as the Lord, that this is a tradition. They have received a person, and that is Jesus, and they've received um, integrally connected knowledge about Jesus that he is Lord, King, Master. And this fits with the early church, a proclamation. See, all over the New Testament, uh, in other writings, it was traditionally at uh, baptism where they would proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And let it not be lost on us that this is a radical claim for uh, believers in the first century. That, you know, first of all, they're, they're proclaiming, contra-Judaism, that Jesus is fully God. That the word Lord in Greek, when the Old Testament was translated into Greek, what was the personal covenant name for God? Well, how was that translated? It was translated as Kyrios, Lord. And the New Testament picks up on that, not just referring to God the Father as Lord, but to Jesus as Lord. This, not only is he fully God in this statement that Jesus is Lord, but this rebuts Caesar's claim to be Lord. This is contra the empire. Of the day. This is a radical statement. And just on top of that, if that wasn't enough, this is intensely personal. You're proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, Master, King. Maybe we don't immediately get this because, you know, there's not too many monarchies around. And Britain these days isn't a monarchy like the ancient culture considered a monarchy of a king, lord, master. That Jesus, in this statement that Jesus is Lord, one is proclaiming that Jesus is king over me. He is the rightful ruler to me, that he is the one who owns me. Paul writes here, that their first decisive experience with Jesus should inform their ongoing Christian experience. And that first experience was proclaiming him as Lord. This is one of the most effective summaries of the gospel for Paul because it, it combines doctrine and practice that uh, this is a summary of what Epaphras, when he planted the church at uh, Colossae, what, what he taught them. This is, this is a summary of the gospel, that the doctrine and practice are connected and interwoven. Jesus sets my values. Jesus changes my thinking. He orders my conduct. It's Jesus over, over my time, over my money, over my goals, my ambitions, my dreams. This is Jesus over all. And this gospel, this proclamation that Jesus is Lord, doesn't need to be added to, subtracted from, modified, as the false teachers were proclaiming. Paul is calling the church here to continue believing the message that they received of Jesus as Lord. Uh, this, This verse, we could paraphrase this verse, just to bring you up to where we've, we've been so far, that as you have received the authoritative tradition that Jesus is Lord, so now live a life that is consistent with this truth. So, so what does this mean for me? Well, if you are not a Christian here, this is the tradition I have to hold up For you that Jesus is Lord. He's not uh, just a helper to get your life in order. He's not an emotional inspiration. He's not just a moral example. He is Lord, Master, King. This is a glorious picture of Jesus. And I would ask the Spirit to work in your heart to show you this Christ, that the Spirit would cause your affections to be stirred for this Jesus. If you are a Christian here and you have proclaimed that Jesus is Lord over me, just like the Colossian believers, the recipients of this letter, well then the Apostle Paul would tell you, keep walking in Jesus. Don't separate doctrine and practice they can't be separated they can't be compartmentalized as our culture likes to do so think about this question as you go through the week as you get to community group on Tuesday or Thursday what area in my life do i not live like Jesus is my king Jesus is my lord Jesus is my master I proclaim on Sunday that I believe that Jesus is Lord, but how am I not, or or in what area am I not living like that is true? Next exhortation, Paul is building off of and uh, explaining more, well, what does it mean to walk in him? What does it mean to walk in Jesus, Uh, And that exhortation is continue walking, being rooted, built up, and established in Jesus. Verse 7 here, first part. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. So Paul goes into a sequence of uh, powerful metaphors. uh, Four parables here built off of the verb, the command, to walk to live, in verse 6. In this point, we're going to look at the first three. Paul kind of sets off the the fourth one, and and that'll make our final point. But uh, these metaphors uh, give concreteness, details, to a concept that could be twisted of walking with Jesus. I, I think just in our culture, people may say, yeah, it's just me and Jesus. You know, we're we're close. We're we're buddy buddy. We're you know we're like this. Well, for the apostle Paul, okay. But it, are these metaphors, these participles in verse seven, are these true of your life? Because if they are not, you're you're really just kidding yourself, and you, you may say. You have this special relationship with uh, Jesus, uh, but you don't. And the feeling is certainly not mutual. So first one here in verse seven, rooted. Uh, this is agriculture language. Image, think of an image of a tree, settled condition, the roots going deep. That if a tree has deep roots, it can survive a good time without water because its roots go. You know, we can only we we see the part of the tree we see, but the roots better not just be you know this small itty bitty under there. It's it's not going to get the water it needs. It needs to be going far underground, and uh, this rooted is a uh, simple passive in form. Basically, not to try to get too technical here, but it's not making any implication about the cognition, volition of the Christians at Colossae. The the focus is on this state of being that they are rooted in. The implied actor in, in this one is that it's God's work. It's not... It's not my work in getting myself rooted, that it's God through his word, through the gospel, resulting in these Colossians being in a state of being rooted. And what are they rooted deep in? It's Jesus, the tradition that Jesus is Lord. That's the gospel. And if they are not rooted, they're going to be carried away when the storms of life come. And they will not last and stand the test of time. Next one here. This is, uh, we've got a little uh, architecture language. And built up in him. Uh, idea, image of a building. Again, this is passive, focusing on God's work in them. Paul hits uh, for the 10th time here in this uh, book, he fit it's the in him, built up in Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. And as they and as we go through the Christian journey, how we live should depend more and more on Jesus and what he tells us to do. We certainly don't move on from Jesus and the gospel. It's not that we this message that we received of Jesus as Lord at the beginning is, "Ah, all right, that's junior varsity. And now let's bump up to varsity as in some way, the false teachers were teaching that we don't move on from Jesus. We grow deeper in Jesus. We're built up in Jesus and in his Lordship with him as the cornerstone. And then third metaphor here. And established in the faith. Again, passive, God's work in the believers. And this article built, uh, established in the faith um, functions as a possessive pronoun, meaning your. In Greek, it can do that sometimes. It you know just a little, trying to be a little tricky on you. Uh, established in your faith. Uh, This is somewhat legal language in this culture, would also be used in the marketplace to indicate and ensure the transfer of goods, that the truth and decision is established, it's firm, it's not changing. And again, they're tempted by the false teachers to uh, move on, from this tradition of Jesus as Lord. And the Apostle Paul is proclaiming to them, no, 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 they need to be established in the gospel and grow in their understanding of the gospel, never move on from this proclamation that Jesus is Lord. As it says here, the next phrase, just as you were taught, that Paul believes that this teaching that Epaphras uh, proclaimed to them when he founded the church, and that Paul is proclaiming that to them now is effective sowing in their life. It, it is on the only sure foundation, that is Jesus, and with the legal guarantee in hand. That's the character of the teaching that uh, the believers at Colossae had and were receiving this constituted the community of faith, and they should never walk away from this proclamation. So, by way of application, does this describe you and your faith? Does the words rooted, built up, established in Jesus describe you? Think about that for a minute and than as you go through your week? If, if so, praise God for that and continue, pray that God would continue his work in you and that you would continue to be rooted, built up, established more and more in Jesus and in his lordship over your life. Maybe you say, well, yeah, rooted, built up, established in Jesus. But you say, by Jesus, I don't know about, about that. It, if that's where you're struggling today, you look carefully at your life that it's not you trying to root yourself, you trying to establish yourself, you're, you trying to build yourself up in the Christian faith, because it's not going to work. It can only happen through the work of God, through the work of the Spirit in your life. It's not based on your effort in living the Christian life on your your own. Maybe you're like, I, I don't see, these, these words really don't describe me. Well, Thank you for your honesty, and you've come to the right place. We exist as Trinity Church to help people be rooted, built up, established in Jesus. We want to see people walking in Jesus. And we're here not just to proclaim this on a Sunday, but we're here to walk with you. We're here to... Uh, meet for discipleship. We're here. We, we, that's why we have community groups. Is that we believe we need to be encouraging, helping, discipling one another so that we are rooted, built up, established uh, more and more in Jesus. So that we are walking in Him. And let's let's look at the last phrase in verse 7. Says, abounding in thanksgiving. And here we see our third exhortation. It's set off from the other three participles. It's active, uh, not passive here. Uh, abounding in thanksgiving. Third exhortation continue walking with thanksgiving to Jesus. That this rootedness, secure foundation, legally guaranteed nature should not produce pride in us, but should produce thanksgiving. And Paul Paul loves this thanksgiving part. He, he sees it as a litmus test for the Christian faith, for a Christian spiritual health. And that there are other ones the apostle uses. He likes ones like... A, whether you love the brothers. But Thanksgiving particularly uh, is a hot one for him in this book. Flip flip back to chapter 1, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when uh, we pray for you. We always thank God. Uh, Verse 12. Giving thanks ...to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Uh, Three, uh, chapter three, verse uh, 15 through 17. We're coming to this in uh, some weeks. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual th- songs. Look at this. With thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Ver- chapter 4, verse 2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So what's the, Paul's obsession with Thanksgiving. Well, like I said, it's a litmus test for how you're doing in the Christian walk. You, you can talk a good talk. You can uh, you know, go on for hours proclaiming how your Christian life's going well. You're growing. But are you thankful? Uh, turn with me to Romans uh, chapter 1. Verse 21. Look at the emphasis Paul places on thanksgiving. It's almost going to seem out of line. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Look at this. Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And Apostle Paul goes on there. I just wanted to point out the um, absolute importance of thanksgiving in a Christian's life for the Apostle Paul. That he believes, and rightfully so, that if these believers in Colossae, if they savor the gospel that they have received savor this confession that Jesus is Lord over me and my life and give thanks for it. They will continue to prefer Jesus above all else that whatever the false teaching uh, brought before them in this current time or in the future will not overpower their appetite for Jesus. So I'd ask you today, uh, are you thankful? And maybe that's the wrong question to ask because kind of like a few weeks ago, if DJ were to ask the question, how is your prayer life? Most Christians kind of give a, eh, you know, half and half. Maybe their prayer life's a little worse than their... Thanksgiving possibly. But you know, I'm I'm doing okay, but it could be better in the area of Thanksgiving. I'd give myself uh maybe a a B- or so. But let me ask a question. How would your neighbor, coworker, spouse say about what would they say about you in the area of Thanksgiving? If I asked them how ask your coworker how does your coworker talk in relation to thanksgiving what does it take for your neighbor or your coworker to give thanks how does your neighbor coworker act when frustrating circumstances come into his or her life how does your neighbor, coworker, react to unmet expectations and goals? Does that if I asked your neighbor, your coworker, would that person say, Well, you know, this person at Trinity Church reacts with thanksgiving? Or, or would they say, eh, you know, sometimes it's thankful, but often just participates in the, go- in the gossip, complaining about uh, how things are going and just the general uh, struggles of the workplace, of life in general. We're quickly moving toward Thanksgiving, a designated time on our national calendar for giving thanks. To the world, uh, such a holiday as Thanksgiving is in one sense forced and short-lived. Evidenced by 6 p.m. Thanksgiving night or early the day after Thanksgiving, how quickly all Thanksgiving can be lost over not getting a $5 toaster or something uh, ridiculous like that at Walmart. But for us, who are Christians, who are in Christ, we have every reason to be thankful, yes, during this time, but all year round. You know. Even, and that applies even if professionally for you this year hasn't been a, a great year, hasn't been a huge step forward, even if your, your bank account isn't all that pretty, even if you've had many Struggles, hardships, maybe even tragedy. Because we have Jesus as our King. He is our Master. He is our Lord. He is worthy of all praise. If you are a Christian and you are in Christ, we can give thanks to Jesus for a multitude of things, including, but certainly not limited to, that he chose us, he created us, he sustains us. He lived the perfect life that we could not live. He died the death we deserved. He rose from the dead, proclaiming his victory over it. He sends us his spirit to move us to faith and repentance He redeems us. He causes His Spirit to live inside us, to indwell us as Christians here today. He is in the business of progressively sanctifying us to look more and more like Him. He causes all things to work together, as Romans says, for His glory and our good. And that He assures us that in the end, ultimately, He wins and we're on His team. And that's why I love every Sunday celebrating communion together as a church family. It gives us a tangible reminder of Jesus' body given for us. Jesus' blood poured out, shed for us on our behalf. We, We take communion to remind ourselves of these gospel truths. That as Christians, we need to continue walking in Jesus. It's not something we did in the past, and, and we're good, but we need to press on and continue walking in His lordship. So if you would, well let's pull up uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to read this together. If you wouldn't mind, read the underlined uh, section with me. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Take this time of a reflection. Band, you, you can come. Those who are serving communion can go to the back to reflect on the gospel of Jesus's sacrifice on our behalf reflect on his lordship over us at this time um we'll give a time for meditation Uh, after i pray you 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 can pray and uh if you are a christian here we'd invite you to go to the back tear off a piece of bread uh, dip it in the cup and celebrate Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf. If you're not a Christian, uh, don't take communion with us. Take Christ. See Jesus for who he is and, that, and recognize his lordship, his kingship, that he is master over you. Take Christ and the first step after that is to proclaim it, that it's not just me, myself, And Jesus, it's me, believers, and Jesus. And we proclaim publicly that through baptism. And we also give at this time, not as a way of giving back to God or paying for communion, but we give because Jesus has so generously given to us that for those of us who are members, regular attenders of Trinity, we give because we want to see uh, the glory of Jesus spread both here in Crestwood, but all throughout the earth. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your work in us. We thank you that those of us who are Christians here today, that we are in Jesus Thank you for the Apostle Paul calling us to walk in him. Um, as we have received this the tradition of Jesus as Lord, I pray that as we live this next week, as we go through our Christian journey, we would grow deeper and deeper in Jesus. We would not just proclaim his Lordship in what we say but that our lives would proclaim it and that we would be a thankful people, not because of what we've done, but because of what you have done and what we have received from you. As we take communion as a church together, let us be reminded of Jesus' sacrifice for us, that he died the death we deserved and he rose in victory. God, let us celebrate that he is alive and gives us life and enables and empowers us to continue walking in Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.